Have you ever read a book that shaped your life in such a way that you will never be able to forget it, no matter how long you live? For a lot of people that's, you know, Harry Potter or Percy Jackson or, you know, any other YA novel. But for me, it was the House of Night series by PC Cast and Kristen Cast. This is a mother-daughter author duo from the University of Oklahoma. Um, the series is primarily about this teenager who went to Broken Arrow High School. I remember that very vividly. Um, she went to Broken Arrow High School and then she died and got brought back to life as a Native American vampire with special magic powers who has to go to a vampire boarding school. And I swear to God, this isn't even the weirdest part of it. This is just the premise of the first book. There are ten books in this series. Ten. It starts with Marked, then Betrayed, Chosen, Untamed, Hunted, Tempted, Burned, Awakened, Destined, and Hidden. Okay, this isn't even counting the spin-off books or the new alternate reality book series that these writers, if you want to call them that, have come out with. And you may be thinking, okay, it, you, when you read these, you were in like seventh or eighth grade Twilight. The first Twilight movies had just hit the theaters. And right now we're just getting news that Stephanie Myers is bringing out a weird sequel-ish book about Edward's perspective called Midnight Sun. Why was this your vampire novel series of choice? Well, to put it bluntly, when I was in seventh grade, I was not like other girls. And I wish I could say that to mean that I was special or that I had any defining characteristics, but my defining characteristic was that I was not like other girls. Anything that I thought was explicitly feminine, I hated. Regardless of whether or not I actually liked it, I hated it because it was what other girls did. I was the original hipster in seventh grade. Um, but that was my personality back then. And that's what drew me to these books because Zoe was this misunderstood girl who just wanted to go live with her grandma out in the forest and burn sage and smudge. Keep in mind, Zoe is a white girl. Her grandma is, is like half Native American, I think is what the book says. She has no business smudging. Okay. This isn't even going to talk about the cultural appropriation in this book because it runs. Oh, that glorious river runs so deep throughout this. The culturally appropriated Shenandoah River runs so deep throughout this series that it almost feels neglectful to not talk about it. But today we're just going to focus on the feminism or anti-feminism sides of the story. So as I said, this book series was written by two authors. It's co-authored by a mother-daughter duo, PC Cast and Kristen Cast. They're from the University of Oklahoma, and the city and the story takes place in the city of Oklahoma, of Broken Arrow. And as a kid growing up, I thought this was so cool because it didn't take place in New York because New York was where all the cool girls lived. It took place in Oklahoma. Who's who's cool that's going to live in Oklahoma? You know, there was just nothing remarkable about the location, and that's what I enjoyed. But the longer I read this book, the more I realized that, wow, these characters are engaging and the 
bad girls. They're all the types of girls that I hate in real life. And, oh, I just relate so much to these characters. And, oh, it's perfect for me. So seventh grade me was absolutely enthralled by these books. My fucking aunt is, was 40, 47 when she started reading these, which I'm not, I'm not going to yuck anybody's yum when it comes to what kind of literature they want to read. That's your own prerogative. But as a, as a grown woman, she should have known better. And when I talk about knowing better, we're going to get into some examples of exactly what I mean when I say that this book is an anti-feminist manifesto, if I have ever heard one. So the book opens up with Zoe and her boyfriend Heath trying to fuck in the most uncomfortable way possible. And then Zoe dies. I wish I could say that was the end of the book because it would honestly be a much more satisfying ending than the one we got in book 10. But it's not. Zoe dies and she gets brought back to life in the House of Night. The House of Night is an elite vampire school run by this bad bitch named Nefret. But she's not a sexy bad bitch. In fact, the book goes to great lengths to explain that Nefret has no overt sexuality. She's just glowing. She's glorious. She's beautiful. But she's not sexy. There's nothing attractive about her. She's just beautiful. Then, later, as Nefret's escorting Zoe to her dorms, they walk upon this girl who's giving a blowjob in the hallway. Which, like, you know, maybe do that in a room, but I don't care. Maybe you're exhibitionist. Not, again, not going to yuck anybody's yum. This girl's name is Aphrodite. She's blonde. She likes the color pink. I'm pretty sure she's the House of Knights version of Regina George. And for this entire first book, this is the bad guy. Aphrodite is the bad guy. She's sucking someone's dick in the hallway. She wears low-cut shorts. She has a, quote, deviously sexy laugh. She likes to dance, and she likes to move her hips in ungodly ways, and <gasps> I don't know if my poor Christian heart can handle it anymore. Not to mention that the fa- our main protagonist, Zoe, continuously calls her a, a hoe, slut, hag, whore, over and over again, for no real reason. Aside from seeing Aphrodite suck this guy's dick in the hallway, Zoe really has no grudge against her. And, oh, by the way, this entire school is based on the fact that women are objectively better than men. Okay? This school says in its, like, introduction, intro to vampires class, that women vampires are better. We get special powers. We get to do all this cool shit. And the men folk just have to fight with us. They don't get special psychic powers. They don't get anything cool. They just exist to fight for us because even though women are cool and have powers we still need men to do our fighting yay i'm sorry can anyone just tell me how this makes sense because literally one of the characters in the book can make fireballs out of her hands and pitch them like fucking softballs but no 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 she can't fight she whoa but some five foot five scrawny dude named eric with a k mind you 
is somehow fit to fight for her? I don't, I don't understand. How, how am I not, how is she not equipped to fight when she's literally better at fighting and given these magical powers by the goddess Nyx to do these awesome, crazy things, but she's not allowed to fight? Anyways, moving on. So, as I said, this book tries to be super feminist, right? It tries to give you these whole pro-woman things of like, oh, look at Zoe, she's so cool. Oh, also, Zoe adopts a Native American last name because when you die, you're reborn and you get to choose your own name. So she chooses Zoe Redbird because that was her Native American grandmother's last name. I'm, again, not going to touch the cultural appropriation with a 10-foot pole because, I don't know, I'm a white woman with a Native American grandma, but looking at me, you would never associate with with a Native American identity, so it's not my story to tell. I will support other Native Americans who want to speak on this, but goddamn, I am not the person to come to for, (laughs) for stories and advice on cultural appropriation of Native Americans. So, we're going to go back into this whole false feminism. So, (laughs) Zoe gets friends. Because, of course, you can't not have friends. Um, There's the stereotypical gay guy named Damien. Because, of course, his name is Damien. And he's, you know, gay. Calls everybody bitch, slut. But he does it in a cute way. Because they're not actually sluts. Being a slut's bad. And then there's Erin, who's another white girl. And then there's her vampire twin, Shawnee. And this is is just a whole weird thing, because Shawnee is a black woman. And Shawnee is just a racist caricature of black women. She's... All she exists to do is be sassy. That's it. She just exists to be sassy and give an excuse for Aaron, her vampire twin, who's white, mind you. They're from completely different parts of the country. Completely different races. Never met each other before they came to the school, but they're somehow twins and they have twin telepathy with each other now that they're vampires. Shawnee only exists to compliment Aaron because Aaron is inherently better until later in the series when she's not. But Aaron is inherently better because she's white. And by Shawnee's existence, Aaron is now given the liberties of being able to speak in Ebonics and use other vernaculars that are common within the African-American community. So, you know, Shawnee has literally no point to exist. Then there's Stevie Ray. And Stevie Ray is just Stevie Nicks. That's her personality trait. She's a cowgirl. She wears a cowboy hat all the time. And she loves Fleetwood Mac. Oh, um, and she wears tank tops. She wears a lot of tank tops. Oh, she's supposed to be the Earth Affinity. That's right. She's the, she's the Earth Affinity. Oh, I forgot to mention, yeah. Every person has an elemental affinity. affinity. Well, not every person. Just Zoe's friends. Because, you know, Zoe has to be the center of attention. So, Stevie Ray is Earth, Aaron is Water, Shawnee is Fire, Damien is Nothing, and Zoe gets to be 
spirit, and air. So, you know, she gets to have two special powers while everybody else just gets one. But again, back to the whole feminism issue. Because there are just so many flaws in this book that it's really hard to stay focused on just the feminism. But in this book, I guess in this series, PC and Kristen Cast use sexuality as a sign for demonic possession. So, what I mean by that is, back to Aphrodite blowing a dude in the hallway. That's her, that's how you meet her. That's how you know that she's a bad person, right? She never explicitly fucks over Zoe. I mean, okay, she does make out with Zoe's ex-boyfriend, but again, they were separated because, you know, everybody thought Zoe died, but whatever. Fucking whatever. Zoe just needs a reason to hate this girl. And again, you remember how Nefret, the leader of the school, she's never explicitly described as sexy. She's just beautiful and immaculate. But never sexy. She never has any overt sexuality. Because that would mean she's evil. Okay, so then, Aphrodite continues to get made fun of because she has sex. And everybody hates her because of it. And like... I just don't get it. I really don't. What inherently makes sexuality evil, right? And this is a question I would have loved to have asked my 12-year-old self when I was reading this. Because I I wholeheartedly supported these books. I was so in love with these books as a kid. And looking back on them, I expected them, you know, they're YA lit. I expected them to have not aged greatly. But how could I have supported these? I'm sure that you could say, you know, well, you were 12, you didn't know any better. I still knew that women were people. I didn't grow up in a super Christian family, so there's not that excuse of, well, the Bible told me it's bad. I grew up in a fucking suburb of Seattle. Even at 12, I should have known that this wasn't right. I should have known that it wasn't right to expect these men to literally just protect me because I'm too weak to do it for myself. I should have known that what someone chooses to do with their own body has literally no effect on me. And it shouldn't, it shouldn't define whether or not I think they're inherently good or bad. But even as a 12-year-old, I didn't get that. And I think that's the worst part about rereading these books, is looking back on the absolutely horrible person I was. Because I remember these books vividly. I remember talking about them with my friends at school and and deciding, oh, that girl over there, she's totally Aphrodite. She's gross. She's a slut. Did you hear that she kissed her boyfriend after school? I remember doing these things to other people. And I just don't understand how I ever thought that that was acceptable. It really is deeply unsettling the amount of things that as a kid I just kind of blindly accepted. And was like, hell yeah, that's awesome! And fully supported 
for more emphasis that everything in this series is about demonizing women who have sexual desires, there's a point in this book where, and I know, uh, spoiler alert, pause it now and skip ahead a couple minutes if you don't want to hear this. I don't know. I'm not going to put fucking timestamps in. But there's a point in the series where it turns out that Nefret is evil. And all of a sudden, this immaculately beautiful woman who has all of these morally upstanding qualities suddenly starts wearing low-cut shirts and slinky dresses. And now she's evil. That's it. I mean, yeah, she does some bad shit. But that's the visual signifier that she's gone evil as her being sexy. Even Aaron, one of Zoe's best friends, turns evil eventually. Not for actually doing anything, but because she starts using her water powers to turn to host wet t-shirt contests. That's it. She hosts wet t-shirt contests with her water powers, and Zoe blows a fucking gasket about it. And I agreed with that. I agreed that Zoe should have blown a fucking gasket about it. I agreed that Nefret was evil and that, ugh, look at her dressing like a slut. She really is evil. I agreed with that. And that's a really, really shitty pill to swallow. That there was a point in my life where I was so vehemently anti-women that I was like, everyone who doesn't walk around and not make eye contact with the boys is a slut. And I just... I hate that. I hate that about myself. So I guess if there's one thing that rereading this book series... Or I guess not rereading, revisiting would be a better term. I guess there's, if there's one positive that came out of this. It really helps me cement this idea that, yeah, people really do grow and change. I know that I was 12, and I guess you can't say the same for, like, a 30-year-old to a 40-year-old, but from 12 to 22, I've changed a metric fuck ton. My feet are about three sizes bigger, so, you know, that clearly illustrates change. But it really does make me think, you know, If my 12-year-old self looked at me today, what would she say about me? Because if she would tell me that I'm a slut and that I'm doing too much, I'll be pretty proud of myself. 